Hello, I'm Nadia Singh, and welcome to IDSA's COVID-19 podcast series, which aims to keep IDSA members, medical professionals, and the public informed during this pandemic by speaking with experts in the field of infectious diseases. In this episode, we'll be discussing how to handle the upcoming holiday season amid the COVID-19 pandemic. To discuss this are IDSA members Dr. Jason Newland with Washington University and Dr. Susan Klein of the University of Minnesota. Thank you both for being with me. Dr. Klein, let's start with you. The CDC has categorized various Halloween activities as high, medium, or low risk. Do you think communities with lower COVID-19 transmission can engage in higher risk activities such as traditional trick-or-treating? Or would you recommend that everyone in the U.S. stick to lower or medium risk activities? I would be hesitant to recommend that communities with lower COVID-19 transmission engage in traditional trick-or-treating for a few reasons. Um, First of all, you know, it's a big country and it's hard to know for sure uh, which communities have very low risk and would be in such a risk category. So I think uh, it's more likely, though, that communities would have at least um, a medium risk of transmission. And I think the other thing that is unpredictable is even if it's a community that's had very low rates of COVID recently, you don't really know if you're doing traditional trick-or-treating who might arrive from outside that community who um, may not be low risk. Maybe they just traveled somewhere uh, or were exposed to somebody who had traveled and had COVID-19. So I think the safest thing is just to assume, you know, there could be transmission going on across the United States and it's safer to stick with low risk or medium risk activities. You know, I completely agree. Uh, being a pediatrician, you know, Halloween has come up huge around here. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And living in St. Louis, they have this tradition of you tell a joke before you get your treats. I mean, this sort of trick-or-treating that we've all learned to love just can't happen. Uh, it promotes too much gathering. You can do things that potentially, like you said, these moderate risks, as CDC says, it's, it's a modified trick-or-treating but keeping the gatherings limited, keeping people distance, making sure we're masking, maybe have some candy individually packaged on a table away from people. I mean, we have to do that because of what you said. You just, you have to assume in any area where there's transmission and we know it's throughout the U.S., it's just, it's too risky. And, and why lose the gains we've made over uh, at this point in time? Right. I, I agree. I think, you know, right now, I live in Minnesota and the upper Midwest is surging as far as cases. So I think this is the the wrong time, even though we all love trick-or-treating and it's a lot of fun. I think it would put too many people at risk potentially, both the children and, and the people whose homes they're going to visit. Excellent points from both of you doctors. Thanks for your insight. Dr. Nolan, sticking with you as a pediatrician, you just mentioned that you know how important Halloween is to your patients. Do costume masks offer any protection to them or must regular face masks be also worn during Halloween activities? We should be wearing our regular mask, not the, not rely on Halloween mask. So that's going to be these, you know, two-layered cotton-based masks, or if you have the surgical mask, wear those. It should be 
the regular masks not depend on our Halloween masks. So let's also talk about the theory that children appear less likely to become seriously ill from COVID-19. Is it important for these children to wear masks too? Yeah, so less than two, we're not recommending that they wear masks just because trying to do that is too hard. Now, over two, and I've seen, and I've been amazed. I've actually seen a 20-month-old, I should say, wearing a mask. It's, it's, it's been remarkable to see how these young children, these toddler age kids, two, three, four, and definitely five and up, are wearing masks. And the reason they're doing it and doing it well is because they have role models that they want to be like. Um, and they will wear them. Now, do they wear them as long as we do? No, no, they need their times, but they can do it. And we need to continue to promote masking because this has really helped us have safer you know, areas and, and being able to do some of the things we want to do. Now, that shouldn't make us think, okay, I'm going to wear my mask and I'm going to get 30 of my you know, 35 and six-year-olds together to have a trunk or treat um, going close together. No, I don't think we're saying that. But wear the mask, do some distancing, and you can do some of these Halloween-like activities that we all love. Thanks, Dr. Newland. Gatherings of family and friends are typically a central part of fall and winter holiday celebrations. Colder weather, though, in many parts of the country means those gatherings are often held inside of our homes. Is it advisable, Dr. Klein, to have these indoor gatherings with individuals outside of your household over the holidays? And what's the recommended size for these gatherings? I do worry about gatherings moving indoors because what we have learned about COVID so far is that it does seem to spread more readily indoors, especially uh, when you have a, a larger number of people in close contact. And the outdoor gatherings, I want to say, are not perfectly safe either. There have been outbreaks linked to outdoor gatherings, especially when you have people who might be not wearing their masks because they're eating or drinking or they're standing close to each other and talking. So I would say even the outdoor gatherings, it's still important to think about wearing the masks and doing the social distancing. Just as a rough guide, you should be standing six feet apart or more from people talking to. But then I, when I think you move these gatherings indoors, then the potential risk of transmission really goes up. And so... I think then it's especially important to keep the gatherings small and really limit it to people that you're very close to. Ideally, it's people in your household, but I, I do anticipate that you know family members will be gathering over the holidays and wanting to meet family members that they don't live with on a regular basis. Uh, such as children who may live out of state coming back to visit uh, their parents. And so then I think you have to be really cautious if you're having gatherings inside the homes, keep them small, the smaller the better, and still take precautions like wearing masks. When you're going to be in close contact, still try to maintain those six-foot distances even inside. And I would recommend trying to avoid larger gatherings with, with people outside your family members, such as no, I wouldn't recommend office parties this year. I, I just think it's too high risk or even neighborhood parties, you know, in, in your house. It's probably a good year to just 
not do those sorts of gatherings. Yeah, you know, this is so, so hard. I love Thanksgiving. I love to sit with a big group, my big, you know, the big family to eat a bunch of food and won't lie, watch football. Um, and this is just not the year to have these big gatherings. I think this, that's literature that we're learning more and more that, you know, 10 to 20% of the people are making up 80 to 90% of the transmission. This is occurring. I think we're seeing it, these large type gathering settings. I mean, we've seen it as a avid Notre Dame fan and graduate watching their football team have a pre-team meal that led to a major outbreak. And we continue to see that. I think these holiday, holiday gatherings where there's a lot of cheer and food and drink, it just can't happen as Dr. Klein so nicely summarized. And I think we have to kind of limit it to those we know probably just in, in small, small groups. That is unfortunate, doctors. Most everyone likes those large holiday gatherings. Thank you. Dr. Klein, a follow-up now for you. What specific advice do you have for the older individuals with chronic conditions with respect to these holiday gatherings? And what prevention practices can decrease the risk of transmission to them during the gatherings? Avoid larger, crowded indoor celebrations in particular. I think those would be the highest risk. And the other thing I would like to just say as general guidance is that people who do not feel well should just stay home from these holiday gatherings. I would also say if you're at higher risk of getting very sick from COVID, then you should really think twice about leaving your house to go to someone else's house for a holiday gathering. Again, because you might be exposed to somebody who has COVID and doesn't even realize they have it. You know, as we've learned about this disease, there is uh, a time period before people develop symptoms that they're still contagious, probably the two to three days before they become symptomatic. And there are some people who never develop symptoms. These asymptomatic individuals could be 15 to 20% of everyone with infection. If you're wanting to get together with, say, elderly parents or grandparents or somebody who you know has a high-risk underlying condition, I think it's best to really talk to them prior to meeting just to judge their comfort level with um, having other people come to visit, for instance, or inviting them over to your house. You know, it just says, is this something you want to do or not? Because I think even... Um, those closer family gatherings are not entirely safe. You know, it's hard to say there's, there's no risk at all. IDSA invites you to kick off ID Week with 24 hours of COVID-19 coverage with Chasing the Sun. This global event begins Wednesday, October 21st at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and other partners have provided funds to offset the cost for attending Chasing the Sun, which gives you access to health authorities from around the world offering unique global perspectives, and data on COVID-19. Register now at idweek.org. I appreciate your answer, Dr. Klein. Dr. Newland, as college students return home for holiday breaks, what steps should they take to help prevent transmission? Well, I am living this right now, as a matter of fact. I have a son who is a freshman um, at the University of Arkansas. And so he is, we're talking about Thanksgiving right now. So this is, you know, we, we're living this right now. And I think you have to look at a lot of things to think about how you do this. So number one, um, what is the behavior of your 
college student and are they being tested? We know there's a lot of schools around the country that are getting some testing and doing it frequently. Now that doesn't mean that if I get tested on Monday and I decide to go to a party or large gathering on Wednesday, I'm not at risk to potentially bringing that home when I come home for Thanksgiving. So I think we, you have to first take into all account behaviors of your kids. Then when they're home, what are you going to do? So I think what we're going to do is my son will be there. We will distance from him. My parents will not be at Thanksgiving meal with us. When we have a meal, we will distance him. He will be there. We'll still be around each other. We are, but we're going to put him in a distance situation throughout his time with us as he's returned. I feel like that's the safest thing. I think those who are living with people that have chronic conditions, there could be even a dish adding of masking in between those times and even further distancing when it comes to mealtimes. I find this to be exceedingly challenging. And I think for all of us, you have to decide where your comfort is and, and what your student or your, your, your child is doing when they're away from you. And that can be for really anybody that's coming to visit you. If you're having these family gatherings, if you live somewhere that's not too cold, one thing that can be done to help minimize the risk of transmitting coronavirus indoors is opening windows and having improved ventilation. Because stagnant air, we think, in an enclosed space is the type of setting where coronavirus would be more likely to spread. Love that idea. I got to think about it. We might be eating outside when our, <laughs> with some gloves if we have to. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 this is what the challenge is. But no, thank you for adding that, Dr. Klein. Great points from both of you. What role could COVID-19 testing have in supporting safe holiday gatherings? And should everyone be getting tested before attending a holiday get-together? Dr. Klein, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, I think it is something worth considering. If, if you have ready access to testing and testing for asymptomatic uh, individuals, then it's probably something that I would think about doing. If you're going to be meeting with a family member who you think um, could be vulnerable to infection. I do think in many parts of the country though, it's still hard to access uh, testing easily, especially if you're not having symptoms or especially if you've not recently been exposed to anybody with coronavirus. And that being said, if, if testing is available, I think it could be just one additional piece of information. But even if that test is negative, I think you still need to practice all the uh, safety precautions and social distancing measures that we were just talking about because um, we know that early on in the course of infection, the test is not as sensitive at picking up someone who actually might be infected. I agree wholeheartedly that testing could be beneficial. And you know, as Dr. Klein you know, just not so nicely stated, a negative test might not mean negative. And the timing of which when you get the test before your gathering or your meal, could, if it's a week and you had a test, there's things that could have happened in that time where you've, where behaviors have, like I said before, you've gone to the bar, or you've gone to another holiday party, as I do quotations around that. Those sorts of things couldn't mean that that test didn't matter anymore because you've exposed yourself somewhere else. So I think we would all love that day if we had that 
test that I could, you know, use before I walked out of the house and I knew if I was positive or negative, that would be amazing. Uh, unfortunately, we're not there, but there is probably some situations that this testing could be helpful, um, as it's been stated, but just know the, you know, the, the potential downsides of what a negative test is. And as Dr. Klein, again, so nicely stated, the, the mitigation strategy should not change because of that. Great points. Thank you. If visiting family for the holiday involves long distance travel, Dr. Newland, what safety precautions should be taken in airports or hotels? And are there some modes of transportation that are less risky than others? So I, I like the things that I can control best. So I like my travel to travel by car because I can control my, you know, how I'm going. I can, you know, distance when I go to a gas station, I can wash my hands, I can wear a mask. Now, some people might get in situations where they have to go in an airplane. And I've had family members go in airplanes and wear masks and wash their hands and do their distancing. It just gets harder once you're in the airplane. And so I think you have to take that that is still a risk that you're doing when you get in an airplane, hoping that everyone is masking and, and the enforcement to that level. Um, when you go to a hotel, I think you can, you can manage the situations because you can wear a mask, you can wash your hands, you can wipe down surfaces that are there. You can control those. So that's how I approach my travel. I am avoiding airplane travel right now, though it might change here soon. Um, and then, and it's changed soon just because I might have to travel for other reasons, but otherwise control the factors because we know how to do that. I think that's good advice. Uh, we went on a road trip this summer to visit relatives and we camped which i think um you know can be safer potentially than staying in a hotel but uh, we did have to stay in a hotel some nights and when we went into the room we actually brought our own like disinfectant spray with us or a disinfectant wipe and we wiped down those high touch surfaces in the room and we wore masks when we were in common areas in the hotel. So I think, you know, the same thing would apply if you were in an airport. You'd certainly want to keep your mask on that whole time, the whole time on a plane. Uh, anything you touch, you could consider as potentially uh, contaminated. And when you sit down in your seat, on the airplane, if you brought disinfectant wipes with you, you could wipe off the, the hand rests, the tray. I, I might even consider not eating or drinking on the flight if you could avoid it, because then you do have to take your mask off. So I, I think if you take those extra safety precautions, you can decrease the risk of exposure. At this time, I'd like to open the floor for any final comments. I'll just say to all those listening, you know, we've come so far already. We continue to see different areas of our country see spikes in cases, and we're coming into a season that we all look forward to every year. Um, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, all of these holidays that we love to gather and spend time with our loved ones. This year is going to be different, and we just all have to remember that we're going to have to do different things, and that's okay is that we will be back to having those same gatherings we have. But for now, we need to protect one another. And we can do that with the social distancing, masking, hand hygiene. And I think Dr. Klein said this really importantly in the middle of this was that don't go out when you're sick. Um, if you're having those symptoms, refrain from that. And there's going to be next year and we're going to be able to do this. And it's going to be again. And let's just remember that and keep, all, keep everyone safe. You know, we should try to 
do the low, lower risk activities for celebrating with our family this holiday season and you know keep the gatherings small keep them safe but stay in touch with your loved ones and if that means for some really high risk um, relatives you have to have a greeting through a zoom call or facetime or facebook messaging then maybe you know for some relatives that's what you'll need to do and i know that's hard to give up but it's probably the safest thing right now. Excellent advice and practical advice, Drs. Klein and Newland. Thank you for your time, participation, and expertise. For the latest information and resources on the COVID-19 pandemic, visit IDSA's website, idsociety.org, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Tune in next time as another diverse panel of medical experts discusses the latest on this rapidly evolving pandemic. The views and opinions expressed here are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Involvement of CDC should not be viewed as endorsement of any entity or individual involved with the podcast. I'm Nadia Singh.